This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. the ass kick e i am the ass kick what's up folks my take radio episode 115 for thursday november 10th 2011 the intro music you just heard was the 28 days later's theme available on the 28 days later soundtrack you can get that probably in itunes amazon or any of your local retailers all right a couple of things to start things off the call-in number, before I forget, because I've been slacking on that, is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, this week's episode is actually brought to you by Zoom Water, caffeinated water with a kick. Our buddies at Zoom Water were kind enough to, se- were kind enough to send me some samples, and I will be the first to admit that I said to myself, caffeinated water must taste really weird, but it doesn't. So I am actually drinking it instead of my typical Monster Energy for this week. So Zoom Water, check it out. Follow them on Twitter, at Zoom Water. You can pick it up on the Amazon Marketplace. Just punch in Z-O-O-M, water, and you can get yourself a case of it on Amazon. If you don't want to drink any more Monster Energy or 5-Hour Energy, you can stay hydrated. So... They are actually nice enough to hook us up this week, so this week's episode of MTR is powered by Zoom Water. All right, a couple of things. We got a lot of housekeeping to get out of the way. There's a lot of things that I'm going to be addressing on this week's episode, just having to do with the show and things that have to be done off air. Uh, first off, the forums. Many of you know that I had intended on get doing away with the forums uh, probably January 1st. I have decided to accelerate that for a number of reasons, but I will be removing the MTR forums officially probably the weekend of Thanksgiving, if not sooner. A couple of reasons for this are the forum medium, in my opinion, is fallen by the wayside. I think that the amount of activity that you would expect in the forums is not there anymore for a number of reasons. People just don't log in. It's easier to be on Facebook, be on Twitter, always be connected. Plus, you get that instant gratification when somebody comments on a subject that you post. So with that said, we are going to invest our energies into our Facebook fan page and our Twitter page. And also now we are officially on Google+. So look for my take radio on Google+, as well. We're going to just embrace those three mediums for the time being. We may bring back a forum at some point, but right now it just feels that there's no... There's no real upside to keeping it as such. You know, I want to just take the opportunity and thank all the fans that have involved themselves in the forum to some capacity, uh, adding different topics, different conversation. I appreciate that. I want to thank all our moderators, you know, Slick also for working behind the scenes with that. And that's it. We are doing away with that probably the weekend of Thanksgiving, if not sooner. But I wanted to give you guys the heads up. 
Also, there's going to be a renewed focus on getting our T-shirts and our merchandise out there. You can pick up an MTR T-shirt, baseball shirt, and hoodie just by heading over to the MTR store tab on MyTakeRadio.com. The shirts are priced competitively enough. We're going to try and get some different designs out there. We're going to try and get some stuff done for the winter as well. And you can expect to see the store getting a lot more stuff within the next few weeks. In addition to that, we have an Amazon affiliate store. I've mentioned it once or twice on air, but I recommend you guys check it out. It's fully managed by Amazon. Any purchases you do through our affiliate store do help us out. So if you're thinking of picking up any games, movies, gadgets, gear, anything from Amazon, feel free to check out our affiliate store. Most of the stuff is listed there. Everything we talk about on air is listed there, and, and anything we've reviewed will also be listed there. So do yourselves a favor, check that out. MTR Amazon Affiliate Store, just click the tab on MyTakeRadio.com, and you'll be able to buy yourself all the stuff from Amazon and help us out as well. Also, the like I said, the Google Plus page is live. You can just look up Google uh, MyTakeRadio on Google Plus, but... The funny thing is that we are still working all the bugs out right now. The only way that we can add fans to our page is if you add us to one of your circles. So if you listen to the show, you're using Google+, feel free to hit us up there. Just punch in My Take Radio and you can head over to the official My Take Radio Google Plus page. I'm going to be testing out the Hangout function probably next week, maybe while Raw is on or post-Raw, just to see how it works and to get a feel for it i've tested it on my personal account with a couple of people i know and it's a great feature you just be able to web conference i believe with up to 10 people so be on the lookout for that you don't have to be face to face on camera you can just have your camera off and do audio as well so it's just going to give us another platform to interact with you guys so we're going to test that out at some point next week Obviously, since it's November, we all know Thanksgiving is around the corner, and it falls on a Thursday as always, so MTR will more than likely be broadcasting that week on a Wednesday night. There's a 50-50 chance that there may not be a show that week, depending on how run down I feel from getting things set up for Thanksgiving, but if not, it will be on Wednesday. We will be recording two interviews next week. I will be interviewing Wayne Shada. He's from Team Takeover. He's a video blogger on YouTube, does uh, some really great video blogs and fight recaps with uh, the Uvu system over the YouTube channel that he has, and he does a fantastic job with it, and I figured I wanted to give him some shine. I'm a real big fan of his work. I like what he does, and I want to give him the opportunity. He's going to be interviewed Monday night for our MTR Behind the Mic series. You'll be able to get that exclusively on the MTR app and on Stitcher. We'll also be interviewing um, the editor for DVD Snapshot. We'll be talking some movies, and we'll be learning a little bit more about his work on DVD Snapshot. That'll probably happen Tuesday night, and you can expect those episodes up later on that evening for each particular day. For Wayne Shotta, it'll be late Monday night. For DVD Snapshot, it'll probably be late Tuesday evening early Wednesday morning, depending on how the interview goes. So that's what you guys can expect next week. Also, we launched our MTR weekend review posts. I have a nagging feeling that a lot of stuff falls through the cracks, especially with so much content that is that everybody's consuming on a weekly basis. So 
we decided probably every Saturday, which is the best way to do it, I'm going to collect all the posts that we've done the week prior up to Saturday, have them in one condensed place, and we'll be able to have that accessible to you guys. All the posts for every subject, guests, social media announcements, everything will be in that. And I also plan on putting that in an MTR newsletter so that email subscribers can consume that content just as easily. We'll be setting up a tab for that probably next week after some testing that's going to be done. And you guys will be able to get a newsletter with a collected, um, with a nice collection of all the stuff that we've done for that week. All right, so that's the news with regards to that. Our Facebook fan page is almost up to 1,700 fans. I use that term loosely for a multiple for multiple reasons. You guys know I'm not going to beat a dead horse. And um, I do want to welcome the new fans that have been there. I've seen a lot of people liking stuff that I haven't seen before. I've seen some some good commentary. Definitely keep it up. Like I said at the start of the show, with us doing away with the forum and investing all our energies into Twitter and Facebook, I really would like to see an increased presence on the fan page. We're giving you guys tons of different content, tons of di- tons of different things for you to talk about. If there's anything that's missing, please make sure to let us know. Maybe you want more tech stuff. Maybe you want more wrestling stuff. Maybe you want scantily clad girls. Of course, keeping in line with Facebook's requirements, so let's not get crazy, but we will try and give you as much of that stuff as possible. On Twitter, I really have no complaints. We have a great active community on Twitter with people interacting with us, giving us feedback on the show, so that's really great as well. And Google Plus is starting to pick up some steam. I got to toss some kudos Slick's way. He did a great article recently on the last Young Justice episode that I posted on Google Plus, and somebody was kind enough to share a really great comment about it. So Slick, if you haven't checked it out, go to the MTR Google Plus page and you can see it. But that's the kind of engagement I want to see going forward, just an exchange of ideas, commentary, things that will make you guys uh, interact more because that's all it that's all we're doing. You know, we're giving you guys three hours of content, which that's that may or may not be changing in the near future. So, you know, feel free to interact through any of the three mediums that we're going to start focusing our energies on. In other news, we got. A lot of great feedback for the Stitcher broadcast. We're doing some phenomenal numbers. We got a lot of people adding us to their favorites. I think we're over 10,000 to 20,000 minutes because that's how they measure it, how many minutes of show people listen to since they stream it. So I believe we're about uh, between 10,000 and 20,000 depending on which algorithm I'm going to be using. So... Keep it up. Keep listening to us on Stitcher. We appreciate it, and it'll also give you access to all the exclusive stuff that we are doing. If you want a chance to win a $100 gift card, make sure to go to stitcher.com forward slash my take. Enter my take in the promo code, and you'll get the opportunity to possibly get a $100 gift card courtesy of MTR and Stitcher. You can get Stitcher for your iOS devices, Android phones, webOS devices, and Blackberries as well. Again, stitcher.com forward slash my take. In some other news which I wanted to discuss are get glue check-ins. I've noticed that a couple of people sent me some stuff on Twitter about that. When are we going to start seeing the stickers? I figured I'd address it on air. I've emailed get glue at least three or four times asking what kind of a timeline we can expect for the stickers. Just because I know how much you guys love getting them. 
they are going to come at some point. I can't really go after these guys, especially with all the big deals that Get Glue's getting involved in. They'll get to us. Hold tight. As I said, new articles from Slick for Young Justice. I know he's got one for Arkham City coming up. I've given you guys a ton of comic book stuff, and we're going to be doing some more comic book reviews. I actually am working on a review for all the number one issues from the DC 52 relaunch. It's not going to be nothing too deep or too crazy, but, you know, typical MTR fashion, giving you an honest opinion on what I think of each book, what was a high point, what was a low point. So be on the lookout for that, hopefully this weekend. Uh, We're also going to be doing a review on the Audio-Technica mic, which I am actually using for this show. In addition to that, there's going to be a Logitech review. Review, that's the name of the product, and obviously it's going to be reviewed once I get the new Android update on it. There's also going to be a Logitech One Remote review, which is going to be coming probably within the next week or so. And we are working on a review from a camera that we got from Olympus. Uh, It's a tough camera, so, you know, I've dropped it. I've put it in my freezer. I've taken a shower with it. Yes, I've taken a shower with this camera. Um, There will not be any, any photos of any weirdness like that, but just to let you guys know, we ran the camera through all the paces we're doing all the stuff we did like the wildfire s you're going to get more video stuff so you can expect that hopefully by the middle of the week since we have to return the camera to them by the 17th so that's what the deal is with that all right tonight's topics we're going to talk about ufc on fox because obviously it's this saturday it's historic it's huge it's going to be fucking insane sure it's one fight but it's a fight with all the marbles there that that's that's pretty much how it goes we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about monday night raw we got some what the fuck movie news i have a nagging suspicion the show might be slightly short this week just because certain uh certain categories were slightly dead but we'll do what we can we're also talking about obviously call of duty which came out this week and all the shit that's been going on with it i'm going to address that a little bit but i actually want to get into the opening monologue for this week because I want to discuss two things that are going on that are really, really, really fucked up. The first, obviously, is the Penn State situation and the way that it's being handled and pretty much the, the I don't even want to say the softness of Americans, but just the general disdain for certain facets of the story, which have been annoying me for the last week or so. Obviously, you know, coach for Penn State turned a blind eye while his uh, assistant raped kids on uh, Penn State facilities. Shits was fucked up. And um, the way I've been listening to it, you know, everybody's like, you know, celebrities are commenting on it. Obviously, Ashton Kutcher stuck his fucking foot in his mouth. But what's been bothering me and, and, you know, um, Forrest Griffin made a joke also, which people made some, some commentary about it's not so much the fact that it's a, it's a terrible tragedy, it's a crime, and frankly, anybody that turned a blind eye to that type of abuse should be strung up and shot with a BB gun in the nuts for at least a week, and afterward fed to some hungry lions. That's the way I see it, but personal views aside, I honestly feel that everybody's going to have commentary that's not politically correct. It's to be expected. That's the way society works. But for people to get so bent out of shape, like, the, I'm going to use Forrest Griffin as an example. Forrest Griffin made a, a rape joke. It was inappropriate, kind of fucked up. He got called out on it. 
and that's it. But to see people on Twitter hitting up his sponsors, you know, giving Dana White shit over it, it it's insane only because the guy fucked up, he owned up to it. I'm sure Dana White's going to address it and what more can you do? I just feel that uh, crucifying people unnecessarily for for shit like that. People are dumb, they say dumb shit, it happens. Gilbert Gottfried said it about Japan. It happens countless times. We need to really grow thicker skin and focus our energies on, you know, taking care of these kids who were who were damaged, obviously. And the fucking coaches need to be held accountable. All the people that covered it up need to be sincerely, severely accountable for this shit. And it's just unfortunate that people focus on all the bullshit that people say instead of focusing on the task at hand, which is making sure you handle what's going on with these coaches and you make sure that these kids who are damaged from this situation are getting help and don't end up fucked up. So I just what was bothered by the, the, the priorities that people focus on instead of focusing on the task at hand, which leads me into the second thing. And I was going to save this for the what the fuck movie news, but I found it to be very apropos to discuss in the opening monologue. And that is everyone's favorite vapid celebrity douchebag, Kim Kardashian. Now, the reason I'm bringing up Kim Kardashian is not just because she broke up with uh, with Cro-Magnon Chris Humphreys or the fact that, you know, her mother's a soulless vampire and her stepfather's a fucking emotionless shithead. No, not that. Or the fact that her sister is China's stunt double. No, we're not going to go into that either. It's the fact that they cast her recently in a movie by Tyler Perry. And you know what happens when, when, when Tyler Perry's involved, the, the African-American community get really sensitive about Tyler Perry. You can't say nothing bad about him. You can't do anything. And I'm not talking about the African-American community as a whole. I'm talking about the real tight-ass African-Americans that really get bent out of shape about it. See, Slick just put in the chat room, fuck Tyler Perry. There you go. And that's coming from a black man. If you want the, the the gauge for blackness on this show, besides me being partially black, Slick is 100% a black guy. So coming from him, that holds a lot of weight. But the, the whole story about this is that uh, Tyler Perry cast her in a movie, and people were legitimately protesting and wanting to boycott his movie because they feel that she was a role model. She well, she's not a good role model, etc., etc., etc. And I'm just like, when the fuck did Tyler Perry's become Tyler Perry films become the measuring stick for how how African Americans react? Are you serious? Nobody is inspired by any Tyler Perry movie. Get the fuck out of here. Jay Z inspires more people. Kanye West inspires more people than any fucking Tyler Perry movie. If he wants to put Kim Kardashian fucking three goats while juggling eight balls and snorting cocaine, nobody gives a shit about it. Seriously. It's stupid. The fact that you're willing to sit there and boycott a movie because of some stupid, emotionless, soulless fucking talent vacuum of a chick is beyond me. There's so much more serious shit going on, and there's so much garbage being put out by Hollywood. So what if he wants to cast her in there? Who gives a shit? She's already got acting experience with fucking Ray J. How much, how bad can it be? She's already done films with black actors, just not the kind that you think. But seriously, 
you're really gonna go and and go on these rants and and really attempt to boycott something tyler perry don't give a fuck about you wake up if tyler perry gave a shit about you he'd put out movies that weren't exactly the same every fucking time because it's every medea movie's the same some medea family member gets in trouble she comes over and imparts her tranny wisdom people cry people laugh i love you medea i love you too let's hug roll the fucking credits seriously that's what that's what that's what it is it's it's just the same recycled shit all the time and i'm not knocking tyler perry shit he's a hustler the guy's getting paid congratulations for finding a niche that gets you paid but the fact that people are going to sit there and boycott a movie over something as stupid as them casting this bubble-assed moron is beyond me who gives a shit the movie's gonna make money whether she's in it or not oh she plays the friend of the lead character she's gonna get lots of screen time because she's famous she's gonna get screen time because that's the only way that women will be able to get their significant others in there to see a tyler perry movie wake the fuck up why don't you guys complain about the government taking us to school when it comes to our fucking taxes why don't you do that why don't you talk about government funding cutting programs that we need and jobs that are fucking getting farmed out why don't we talk about that oh no we're gonna go and protest and complain because kim kardashian's giant lard cellulite ass is on a screen with tyler perry who gives a shit those are your priorities folks i i'd say it all the time i've said it in countless episodes the terrorists aren't gonna kill us they're just gonna offend us to death because we've become giant pussies giant shadows of what we used to be america was a land of freedom opportunity and balls we don't got them anymore we don't we carry them in our pocket right next to our iphone hopefully we don't want to get offended we don't want to get get some thick skin seriously and if i were tyler perry i'd be like yo go fuck yourselves i'm casting this bitch that's what i want to do you either buy the ticket or you don't. Last time I checked, Tyler Perry don't need your 850. I'm sure there's going to be countless other people that are going to plunk that money down before you. That's it. I I was just dumbfounded when I read that on, you know, in a couple of different blogs this week. I'm like, "Really? That's what we're doing? We're going to fucking boycott a, a Tyler Perry movie?" Ah, fuck you. I don't know. I will tell you this, I am definitely not reviewing any Tyler Perry movies, so you guys can can rest easy, but I will take the opportunity to say that I will be seeing Immortals this weekend, so there will be a review for that as well. Alright, I think we're going to wrap up this monologue because Kim Kardashian sucks, and Penn State's coaches should get fucking beaten to death with bricks and fed to hungry lions. Alright, let's get right into this week's MMA. I want to get into some of the fights. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm only going to really talk about the welterweight and the bantamweight and middleweight bouts only because there was some real crazy shit going on there. Tiago Alves, of course, came in a little heavy for the weigh-ins, lost the weight. Everybody automatically, the fickle fans, oh, you know, Tiago Alves is a fat ass, blah, blah, blah. He's on the Dolce diet. I guess that shit don't work. 
It's like the dude was a little heavy. Give me a break. He probably took a shit, went to pee, and made weight. Cut the shit. Seriously, that that's what you guys invest your energy on. The guy made weight. So he was actually fighting Pappy Abetti, and I was expecting a more... I really want to say a more competitive fight, but um, Alves came in and did his thing. There was a... Uh, a, a really huge size advantage of Betty was would look like a beast in there. And um, he opened up with a really fast flurry. Alves covered up a little bit. Um, the funny thing was that Betty used his size to put Tiago against the cage. There was some knees getting put into play. Um, there was another clinch at one point by Pappy, but once they separated, Tiago came in and just rocked him. And boom, he hit the, he got a little wobbly. And, um, Tiago went in, secured a full mount, Pappy was leaking everywhere, Tiavez took the back, and it was a rear naked choke in the first round. Nice performance from Alves, he looked, he looked really good in that fight, especially since he looked small fighting a Betty, so I was really pumped for that. I like Tiago Alves, he's an exciting fighter to watch, and, um, he's, he's just always a really good ambassador for the sport on Twitter, he interacts with everybody, and he seems like like a dude that likes to have some fun and go in there and give the fans exciting fights. So I was very happy with that. The other fight I wanted to talk about was uh, Renan Barrow and Brad Pickett, which um, Barrow came in with a lot of a lot of hype behind him. People were talking about this kid being the future on the, in the bantamweight division. It, it was serious business. Uh, they touched gloves, and it just it just went bananas. Huge punches people both guys swinging for the fences um Pickett did end up getting the the, the worst end of the of that stand-up exchange but um Burrell at one point rocked Pickett with a huge knee then he went into the ground tried to sink in a second rear naked choke and at that point Pickett was defending but after it only took a minute or two and he sunk it in tight and it was a wrap submission rear naked choke in the first round by Renan Burrell very excited guy came in with huge fanfare he delivered um guy trains with jose aldo so you know that this guy knows how to exchange his striking was crisp that submission victory was very well executed very excited for that fight uh middleweights chris lieben mark munoz i expected this to be a true slugfest and it really was to a point um at one point um lieben almost got rocked but the he ended up finishing the round and he had a huge cut over his eye. Uh, Munoz looked really good in the first round. Second round, Lieben did tend he seemed to start a little slower than I expected. Usually he comes out swinging. Um, Lieben is just bleeding all over the place. At which point they ended up stopping the fight because of uh, Doctor Stoppage with the cut over the eye. The corner was saying that he couldn't see, and that was it. It was unfortunate that it went down the way it went down. But, you know, Lieben is a fighter. He'll be back. But the cut was really nasty. And as usual, we got to love when they zoom in and um, they zoom in and you can see the cut really opened up Lieben badly. And I can see that it was really impeding his vision. But the fight was exciting. Lieben will bounce back. Munoz, uh, the the big thing with Mark Munoz this week was that he kind of shouted out Anderson Silva for a title shot. And then he kind of recanted, and then Anderson Silva was butt hurt. And I really got to stress what I've said in countless other episodes. 
MMA is not a team sport. A team can help you prepare, but when you get in the cage, you're by yourself. And it doesn't matter whether you're your best friends, brothers. When that cage door closes, you are opponents. And as opponents, friendship or not, you're going to grab the brass ring. It's that simple. Anderson Silva really needs to lighten up. He's butthurt that Mark Munoz said he wanted to challenge him. So fucking what? You are the champion. That's what happens. You have the belt. You defend it. So it seems that Anderson Silva, instead of facing a guy like Mark Munoz, you know, his friend, his pal, gets another opportunity with the one and only Chael Sonnen, which of course means there will be epic amounts of shit talking epic but um ufc 138 a lot of people were talking a lot of shit they felt there was a throwaway card it was actually a really really solid card free tv you can't complain and you had some really great fights you know the uh che mills and chris cope i expected that to be a war it wasn't uh che mills took the fight with a ko um i really enjoyed the omigawa and jason young fight omigawa ended up taking that by unanimous decision like I said, free TV, always good to watch, and same thing I always say with Bellator, quality product, gets MMA out there, and that's what you need, you need more people watching it, and I think Saturday we're going to find out just how many people will be tuning in. Now let's go right into the Ultimate Fighter this week, I'm not going to go through all the bullshit, I am going to say that the prank that was pulled this week was actually quite amusing, I will give credit where credit is due, uh, Bisping is a fucking lunatic, um, Akira Corsani and Dennis Bermudez was, I expected that fight to be a war also, Corsani is, a, is, a, is an animal, and that turned out to not be the case this time, um, Akira did open strong, he tagged Bermudez at one point really hard, um, Bermudez shot him for a takedown, he failed that, they clinched against the fence, it, it, there was a great exchange with some knees being exchanged between both guys, but, um, Bermudez ended up taking a shot on the chin, and he managed to recover and push Akira against the fence. He slammed Akira to the ground, at which point he attempted a, gu- a guillotine, but Akira wasn't uh, wasn't having it. He tried to fight it off, but to no avail, ended up tapping out via guillotine choke. Um, Akira went a little crazy when he woke up, but, you know, Bisping kind of tried to calm him down. But Bermudez went in there, secured the victory via submission. Next week is the Coach's Challenge with Air Hockey. So, uh... Yeah, air hockey is your coach's challenge. Uh, Bermudez secures the victory for Team Miller. It's it's gonna it's getting good, man. Miller's Miller's team is is doing some damage. And um, next week we got Dustin Peg taking on T.J. Dillashaw. We're gonna see if uh, he can take out one of Team Bisping's uh, <laughs> the the the, t- the second of Bisping's two guys that are in that are in this round of the fights. So we'll see what happens next week. The season, like I said, has actually been very good. The The coach's drama is there, but there's been more pranks, a lot of uh, frat boy humor, which is fine, and the fights have been exciting, so I can't complain. Let's get into the regular MMA news for this week. Obviously, the UFC on Fox this Saturday, Cain uh, Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, heavyweight title, Overeem's going to be there, Lesnar's going to be there, they're going to start building up the heavyweights, obviously the Lesnar-Overeem fight, huge, huge implications with that, uh, Lesnar coming off the diverticulitis recovery, Overeem coming out of the 
Strike Force camp and the K1 camp. He has he's still the Strike Force heavyweight champion. He's a K1 kickboxing champion. It's going to be a war. I think that Lesnar at this point really needs to acclimate himself to getting hit because Overeem hits hard. Not only that, but um, Overeem has a fantastic kickboxing background. He can go in there and engage in the clinch with Lesnar. I have yet to see Lesnar get tested in a clinch situation. Usually Lesnar comes in, he imposes his will with his size, and he's been defeated by better striking, which Overeem has, and just better technique. I think in Lesnar's case, the keys for Lesnar in this particular fight for him to secure a victory is to come in heavier and to use his size to impose his will. Not only that, but he needs to take Overeem to the ground because Overeem's ground game, while while it is good, I think Lesnar has a better wrestling background. We can only hope that he's learned some submissions along the way to be able to use that size to his advantage on the feet. I give it to Overeem 100%. Overeem has, like I said, great striking, great stand-up. And the, the fight can go into the clinch. And if it does, Overeem has the, the advantage in that. His uh, Muay Thai background is, is extensive. So standing, Overeem. On the ground, Lesnar. The problem is, of course, that people are going to expect huge fireworks as soon as that bell rings, I think what's going to happen is, in this particular instance, Lesnar's going to come in. He's going to be a little a little hesitant only because, you know, first fight back, he's got to get find his range. I think there'll definitely be a feeling out process in the first round, so don't be surprised if it moves a little slower than you'd expect. But I'm sure once the round ends and the second round begins, it's going to be somebody's going to sleep. It's as simple as that. Either Lesnar's going to come in there and slam Overeem on his head and choke him unconscious, or Overeem's going to come and take an over knee and fucking put Lesnar out again. We'll see what the story is. I'm super pumped for this fight. It's a great way to close out 2011. And frankly, if the apocalypse happens in 2012, that's the fight I got to see. So I'll go out a happy man. Of course, the winner of that fight is going to get the winner of Kane and Junior Dos Santos fight. I'll tell you this. Overeem and Cain Velasquez would be a fantastic fight. Cain with his great striking, great wrestling. Lesnar would, I mean, uh, Overeem with his fantastic striking as well. That's an awesome fight to see. And honestly, you can do Junior Dos Santos and Brock Lesnar with keeping those guys active as well. Super pumped. Heavyweights this weekend. Fox. Now, besides that, the hype machine for this event is in full effect. You got Fox, you got Fuel TV, you got Fox Deportes en Español, you got Fox Sports Radio. It's all going to be chock full of MMA programming leading up to the broadcast Saturday night. We'll start off with Friday night at 7 p.m. You're going to get the weigh-ins. They're going to be live on Fuel TV, 7 p.m. Eastern, Fuel TV weigh-ins. Saturday, November 12th at 3 o'clock, they're going to give a special on Cain Velasquez called Brown Pride at terrible terrible name uh episodes one through three that's going to be on fox deportes obviously uh ufc fox on one replays are going to be uh done at 5 30 on the 12th at six o'clock you're going to get get the ufc primetime also replaying on fuel tv they're going to give a replay on fox deportes with uh kane velasquez and brock lesnar's fight then you got a live event at seven o'clock on fox deportes and then you got a uh, regular pre-fight special on Fuel TV. 
Plus, they got the full event for coverage on Fox Sports Radio and the big dance, uh, 9 o'clock, right on Fox. And then, of course, November 12th at 10, they're going to do a post-fight show on Fuel TV. So it's going to be a huge weekend with the UFC on Fox, and those are all the programs you'll be able to check out over the course of the day. I will recommend that you check out the Cain Velasquez-Brock Lesnar replay for those of you that are uh, fans of the Spanish language channels, that's going to be on Fox Deportes, like I said. And the pre-fight show on Fuel TV, I'm very interested in. I'm dying to see what kind of a presentation Fox brings to the table with regards to MMA. Not only that, but Brock Lesnar is going to be an analyst for that. So it should be interesting given his history with Cain Velasquez and also the fact that he was supposed to face Junior Dos Santos. From UFC 138, there were some fight bonuses handed out, $70,000 to be exact. KO of the night went to Che Mills. Submission of the night went to Terry Etim. Fight of the night went to Renan Barrao and Brad Pickett, well-deserved. And, of course, since it's fight week, we can always expect great things from Dana White. I will tell you guys that the commercial that they put out for UFC on Fox with Dana White and Bob Arum spewing his hateful venom of the sport and being a complete total tool bag was uh, a great way to sell the event it was very well done and for for the things that bob arum said in that fight in that uh commercial just disgusted me you know and his views of the sport are so antiquated so archaic that it brings a smile to my face to see that presentation and the amount of fanfare going into this event and i sincerely hope that it's as successful as everybody's hoping it will be now as i said it's fight week Dana White always gives us a nice soundbite. He was recently asked about Paul Daly and whether he'd consider letting Paul Daly come to the UFC. Well, return to the UFC. As you know, Paul Daly punched Josh Koscheck after the bell after their fight and, of course, was unceremoniously given the boot by Dana White and he ended up fighting in strike force. But he did ask him, would he bring Paul Daly back? Dana White went on to elaborate as follows. The Strike Force Showtime deal isn't done yet. We'll see what happens with that first. I just have a hard time with what Daly did. When asked about Daly's attitude and win-loss record, he said it's not like Daly's been so friendly since that happened either. Plus, he hasn't won. The guy's gotta win some fights. Any guy who loses in the UFC or any other promotions you lose, you gotta get some wins somewhere, somewhere else and come back. When asked if he was a fan of Daly, Dana White was honest and he said, I am not a fan. You know that. So, Paul Daly may yet see the light of day in a UFC octagon, folks. And not for nothing, I, I like watching Daly fight. He's exciting. He has charisma. He's a lunatic, but he is exciting to watch. His sucker punch of Koscheck, very unsportsmanlike, and frankly, not what you wanted to see when you're trying to get the sport mainstreamed. So, I can understand Dana White's frustration with that. If you don't want to watch the UFC and you want to support an up-and-coming organization, you can watch Bellator 57 also this Saturday. That's going to be at the Casino Rama in Ontario, Canada. As of right now, they've added a couple of fights. On the main card, though, you got to watch the Douglas Lima-Ben Saunders fight. Huge Ben Saunders fan. I like him from his appearances on MMA Gospel and The Ultimate Fighter. He's a... He's an exciting fighter to watch. He has a great fighting style. Him and Douglas Lima, are gonna. it's going to be a war. It's the welterweight tournament finale. And then also the finals for the middleweight tournament with Alexander Shlomenko and Vitor Viana. So you're going to definitely want to check that. 
John Hawk and Roger Hollett. And then you got Alexandre Popo Bezerra versus Doug Evans. That's your main card on MTV2. The prelims will be on Spike.com. Mike Corey versus Chris Hordesky. Chuck Maddy versus Dennis Purick. Eric Moon versus Josh Shockley. Mike Sled Zion versus Taylor Solomon. Sean Levesque versus Matt Van Buren. Those are going to be on Spike.com. UFC 141's press conference is going to be happening also this weekend. The press conference is going to be at 4 o'clock, and that's going to be at the Santa Monica Pier. Right after the uh, right after the press conference is over, you're going to get the weigh-ins. Lesnar and Overeem are both going to be featured there. As of right now, the UFC 141 card shapes up as follows. Lesnar and Overeem are your main event. Donald Cerrone and Nate Diaz. John Fitch, Johnny Hendricks. Alexander Gustafsson versus Vladimir Matyshenko, Manny Gambirian versus Diego Nunes, Junior Asuncao versus Ross Pearson, Don, uh, Don Young Kim and Sean Pearson, and TJ Grant versus Jacob Volkman. That's going to be your UFC 141 card December 30th. In some other Bellator news, uh, they recently spoke with Bjorn Rebney about the expansion of Bellator now that they've been acquired and have the possibility to get more exposure. They asked a couple of questions, which I wanted to shed some light on with you guys. They asked him about the elimination of non-title super fights. He went on to say that he has talked about eliminating them, and it's under consideration. I do have to agree that the non-title super fights make the fighters... I guess I really want to say they lose their luster. Don't get me wrong. I don't mind watching the guys fight, but when there's not a belt on the line, it's almost it makes the, the value of the belt worthless. That's just my opinion. When asked about the eight-man tournaments, he said that the eight-man tournaments produce really great storylines. He said it's enough time to really get to know a fighter and know that he earned his title shot. He used this season's tournament as an example, citing Ben Saunders and Douglas Lima, and they were showing that, of course, either one of these guys deserves a shot at Ben Askren. So I, I really like, like I said, the Bellator tournament model, and it's good to see Bjorn Rebney go out there and do his thing. So props to Bellator for that. Like I said, UFC on Fox this weekend. Um, the prelims, you'll be able to see, I believe, on Facebook. And Clay Guida, Ben Henderson is the fight I want to see. Uh, huge fan of both guys. Uh, both guys have an awesome pace. I definitely see Henderson looking to stand and bang with Guida, so it's going to be great to watch. Pablo Garza, Dustin Poirier, Ricardo Lamas, Cub Swanson, Clay Harvison fighting Demarcus Johnson. Demarcus is an, he works with Middle Easy. Class act, funny guy, excited to watch him fight. Kid Yamamoto, uh, Darren, I'm going to mess up this guy's name, Uyenoyama. I actually am going to watch that fight as well. And also Mackin Semizer and Robert Peralta. Bruce Leroy, Alex Cazares is also on that card. He's going to be fighting Cole Escovedo. Paul Bradley and Mike Pierce are locking up. And Matt Lucas versus Aaron Rosa. So those are your prelim fights for UFC on Fox this weekend. Fuel TV is going to become the larger presence for all UFC programming. Uh, the Fuel TV general manager stated that they're going to have 25% of their content devoted to the UFC starting in 2012. All the prelims that, you, that you've always watched on Facebook will now be moved to Fuel TV. Facebook is not going to have any prelims starting in 2012. Fuel TV is also going to feature the weigh-in specials, the countdown specials, and the primetime shows. It's also going to show the past fights and any specialty programming as well. And it's also going to be the destination for any international editions of The Ultimate Fighter. 
As of right now, though, Fuel TV is currently available in only 26 million homes. Hopefully, Fuel TV starts putting out the HD TV programming because as a Fio subscriber, I only have the regular version of Fuel TV. I'd like to see some Fuel TV HD. Please help us out with that. Any other UFC prelims that you're used to watching on Spike TV will now air on FX. So that's pretty much the breakdown of the programming with that. In some other news, Alistair Overeem is suing his former management camp, Golden Glory, stating that he feels that he was taken to school, so to speak. He agreed to give his fighters 35% of his pre-tax income in exchange for their services, but he feels that they failed to do their part. He also says that they refused to pay him the more than $151,000 in earnings that he is owed, including a bonus when he signed for the UFC. According to TMZ, he is suing for unspecified damages and wants a court order to break the contract. He also said that the management booked him in big fights when he was not ready to perform. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with the Golden Glory camp. Um, big fan of that camp. I'm really bummed to see things go the way they went. But there's a lot of shady shit going on and, you know, that's how it goes down. Unfortunately, the worst part of it is that it puts a blemish on the camp and it involves Overeem in these proceedings, which, you know, I'm sure he wants to focus more on moving past this and fighting. So that's going to wrap things up for the MMA segment. Like I said, Lesnar will be an analyst, UFC 9 p.m., Fox, uh, UFC 141 press conference will be before the weigh-ins tomorrow. I'm sure they'll stream it on UFC.com, so be on the lookout for that as well. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we're actually going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. My generation will take the fall, the state, and across the nation, and it's a You have to excuse my big-ass finger accidentally hitting the iPad button. As I've said, I'm using the iPad as the soundboard now. I'm not using any sounds from Blog Talk Radio, given that they sound like complete shit. So that is pretty much the story with that. I forgot to share that with you guys. We are running almost all the sounds for My Take Radio going forward through the soundboard on the iPad. We may actually also be doing some stuff with some audio straight out of the PC just uh, looking for ways to improve the sound quality of the show. All right. Now, let's go into Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was, I felt, very weak this week. It was pre-taped. It was in the UK. I was surprised that uh, John Morrison had to go to another country to get a victory. He secured a victory over Dolph Ziggler with a roll-up, of all things. 
So it looks like John Morrison may slowly be making his way out of the doghouse. We also had a nice squash match with JTG and Mason Ryan. Obviously, Mason Ryan is UK-born, so you would expect a squash match. Poor JTG stood no chance. He did look decent, though, in the match, but Mason Ryan is just so robotic that it takes away from anything that JTG tried to do. Alberto Del Rio clowned Kofi Kingston, which was to be expected. CM Punk came out, cut a, an epic promo as usual with the pipe bomb. Swagger, Santino. Uh, this was the I'm going to go and take a dump match. The only thing I do have to say is that Swagger's promo ability was better. Um, I think that Swagger's lisp, like I've always said, is what fucks him up. Athletically, he is fine, but uh, that lisp fucking shit up. Kevin Nash comes out. Uh... As usual, typical Kevin Nash promo, stating his uh, disdain for Triple H. Happy that Johnny Ace brought him back, which, of course, is going to set up a match probably at Survivor Series. So, overall, strong promo from Nash, which is fine. I just hope that we don't see him on TV every week stinking up the joint. I've always felt that Nash is better served from a commentary standpoint or an enforcer standpoint, and his wrestling days are behind him. But I have a feeling that with Triple H, there is definitely a possibility of a solid match out of him. So we'll see how it goes. John Cena, awesome truth again. What'd you expect? Uh, him and Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder getting the main event there. Crowd super behind Zack Ryder, which is good. I think that the Zack Ryder quote-unquote experiment that they're doing is working well. But I have a feeling that they need to pull the trigger with him soon because all that fanfare is going to go down the tubes when people don't see the guy that they're supporting getting anywhere. It's been rumored that they're going to give him the Intercontinental title when they do the show here in Long Island, but I'm not 100% sure about that, but I feel that in order to keep Ryder relevant, you need to have him on TV every week. You can't have him in the main event this week and then leave him behind closed doors for two weeks when all that groundswell that he's had has gone down the fucking toilet. I just think that's poor planning on their part. Hopefully we can see more of Ryder. I do have to stress that Truth and The Miz work so well as a tag team. You would think they wouldn't just because, you know, hip-hop black guy, uppity pretty boy from the real world, you'd think it would suck. It really doesn't. I, I, they've got such great chemistry I'm really, really happy with the direction that they're taking both guys in. Not only that, but it's keeping both guys on television and keeping them relevant. I do got to call the WWE on their bullshit-ass video package for Brodus Clay. I mentioned that on our Facebook fan page this week. Brodus Clay, oh yeah, he's coming to Raw. He's debuting on Raw. And I said it, wasn't Brodus Clay Alberto Del Rio's bitch right after NXT carrying his bags doing his run-ins, eating uh, special moves from any of the other wrestlers. Come on, man. He's not fucking debuting. He's been there already. And if that's how you're going to repackage him, Brodus Clay debuts next week. It's like, that's how you repackaged him? You took him off TV for three weeks and you magically thought that people would forget that he was, that he was there before. It's ridiculous. It is, there's so, there's so many, there's so many other ways that they could have put Brodus back on television and not with the stupid video package. Like I said, the guy's already been there. The effect 
is lost. So that sums up Raw for this week. I'm not going to go and, uh, you know, sit there and beat up everything else. But like I said, it was a passable show. The Raw with uh, The Rock is next Monday, three hours. It's going to be good. I have a feeling that, like always, whenever The Rock comes in, everybody steps up their game. Three hours, Monday night. Hopefully it'll be something memorable. Hopefully. All right. Now, here's something you guys are going to get a kick out of. As many of you know, Joni Lauer, a.k.a. China, was in the WWE, went to TNA for like five seconds, and is better known for being a jacked-up chick who kind of looked like a dude who went on to do a porno with X-Pac and wash, rinse, and repeat. Anyway. It seems that she has decided to embrace her newfound adult film star career and go full full stream with it, and she is being rewarded for her efforts. Fleshbot is going to be honoring her with the Mainstream to Porn Crossover Award for her vivid movie, Backdoor to China. She's going to be receiving that award tomorrow. Um, of course, they put out a press release which I'm just going to read you this blurb. Former pro wrestling champion China made her official debut as an adult film star in Vivid's runaway hit movie, Backdoor to China, and will be receiving the Mainstream to Porn Crossover Award at the Fleshbot Awards on Friday, November 11th in New York City. I'll be, I'll be frank with you guys. I've read Fleshbot. It's a, it's a, it's a really funny blog. And, um... I would give anything to be there to see that acceptance speech. Because imagine, imagine, you know, just just being there. And she comes up, I really am so glad that you guys really enjoyed Backdoor to China. I mean, my other films weren't, weren't as good, but this one is okay. Thanks. It's like, oh my god, really? Really? Really, Khloe Kardashian? I don't have a problem with her going and doing porn. The problem I have is that they keep continuing to reference her wrestling career as a selling point. It's like, trust me, she hasn't wrestled in a long time. And having her come and do porn is just icing on the cake. But seriously, fly on the wall I'd love to be to see her accept that. I'd, I'd give anything to do it. So if anybody has a connected Fleshbot and wants to hook, hook me up with a ticket tomorrow, by all means, please, please make that happen. Please. <laughs> They're doing a 5-on-5 Survivor Series match. Already, hopefully, one of... Not the only one that we'll be seeing on the card. Randy Orton, Sheamus, Mason Ryan, Kofi Kingston, and Sin Cara will face, will face Wade Barrett, Cody Rhodes, Christian, Jack Swagger, and Unico in the 5-on-5 match. Also confirmed, obviously, Del Rio and CM Punk. Henry versus The Big Show, and The Rock and John Cena versus The Awesome Truth. This weekend, TNA has a pay-per-view, which, when you look at it on paper, seems like it's going to be decent, but I don't know. TNA hasn't really been impressing me much. They have a challenge match with Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Jarrett, a battle of the Jeffs. Woohoo, intrigue. You got the undefeated streak on the line with Crimson against Matt Morgan. That should be interesting. Rob Van Dam meets Christopher Daniels. 
The Knockouts Championship is on the line with Velvet Sky and Gail Kim. You clearly know they'll probably give the belt to her. The Mexican Mexican America with Sarita are going to put their belts on the line against Ink Ink with Toxin, which I haven't really seen that angle get pushed much on television leading up to this pay-per-view. Why? I don't know. You would think they would, but TNA, home of dropping the ball. Ohio Valley Wrestling is in the news this week. They are now officially uh, TNA's, I, I guess you could call them their feeder league. Ohio Valley Wrestling used to be affiliated with WWE back in the day, giving us such great superstars as John Cena, Batista, and countless others. Hopefully their relationship with TNA can lead to getting some other household names established. Not only that, but hopefully they can send some of the people on their roster down to OVW to fucking tighten up their wrestling. Because there's some motherfuckers on TNA that I don't know what the hell they're doing. So be on the lookout for OVW talent and probably a more a stronger presence of OVW talent going forward on TNA programming. Last but not least, I want to close things out by talking about Mark Canterbury, who you may know as Henry Godwin, wrestled during the 90s, feuded with Triple H, part of the Godwin's tag team with Phineas Godwin was actually hospitalized recently. He was in a really bad car accident in Kentucky. He was in ICU. There's been unconfirmed reports that he drove his car off a cliff. I don't know if it was intentional or he lost control, but um, he was trapped in the car for at least an hour, had to be removed with the jaws of life and airlifted to a hospital where he underwent one of multiple surgeries. He has had his spleen and his appendix removed, and um, he's also has... He has one broken leg that's broken in three places, including a broken femur. He also has two punctured lungs, and a dozen ribs are broken. So they've been saying he's been somewhat responsive and just want to take the opportunity to wish him a speedy recovery. Hopefully he pulls through. Uh, that's that's real fucking tragic, especially if he if it wasn't like the guy committed suicide and, you know, the car lost control and he went off a cliff that's that's crazy especially being trapped in a car for an hour wondering if you're even going to make it so hopefully mark canterbury pulls through and um, we can see him in the near future all right i'm going to take another commercial break when we get back we're going to talk some video games right after this I wonder what's on tonight even tonight at 10 on your local news I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Video game news. Fallout fans, Ultimate Edition Fallout will be coming out February 7th in the U.S. and February 10th in Europe. Fallout New Vegas Ultimate Edition will include DLC packs Dead Money, Honest Hearts, Old World Blues, Lonesome Road, Courier Stash, and Gunrunner's Arsenal. It's going to retail for $49.99 on the 360 and the PS3. They will also be releasing a PC version, which will be $39.99. 
Square Enix has reported that Deus Ex Human Revolution has sold 2.1 million copies across all gaming platforms. I probably bludgeoned that. Deus Ex. There you go. Human Revolution, 2.1 million copies across all gaming platforms. 800,000 of those sales were in the U.S., but the game did really well in Europe with 1.3 million copies sold. In some Capcom news, which is why I played the Street Fighter character select music to lead us into this week's video game segment, Capcom's net sales are down this year. As of September 30th, net sales are 29.3 billion yen, down from last year's 40.7. Their net income is also down 878 million yen, or 11.3 million dollars. The reason that that seems to be the case is because Capcom has cited that no major titles were launched in consumer online's gaming business. Obviously, Slick brings up a valid point that they keep double-dipping. This is true. Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition and Resident Evil Mercenaries 3, 3D sold 400,000 units worldwide. The reason I see this being an issue is, like Slick said, lots of double-dipping is definitely a factor. Their only original title thus far is going to be Asura's Wrath. Actually, no, and another Resident Evil offshoot, which I guess is original. Um, Ultimate, Ver Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which Slick reminded me, comes out next week. Again, another double dip, but I'll actually be picking that up because I love fighting games. So, Capcom will be getting my money for that. Arkham City fans feeling left out for PC versions will be able to play them on November 22nd in North America. They'll also be hitting the PC in Australia on November 23rd. France November 24th and other European countries by the 25th so for those of you that are huge PC gamers feeling left out that we're all playing Arkham City you will be getting rewarded November 22nd Windows users and also you'll also be rewarded if you're in Australia France or European countries no by November 25th so from the 22nd to the 25th Arkham City PC get ready if you want to keep up with the updates, as always, BatmanArkhamCity.com is where you go for that. Speaking of numbers, we've already discussed sales numbers for Square Enix and Capcom. Take-Two released their second quarter, uh, their, their second fiscal quarter results. Um, they have a net revenue of $107 million. The revenue is actually better than expected due to L.A. Noir and MLB 2K11. But... Last year, the company had made $245 million, so there is a drop. They still are profitable, but not to the extent that they were last year when they had Civilization V, Red Dead Redemption, and Mafia. The company still expects to take in about $1 billion this year to close things out. In some other financial news, Activision is tooting their horn. They've made $754 million, up from $745 million that they made last year. Overall, $427 million were actually brought in from digital revenue, which means map packs, folks. Activision took the opportunity to note that Black Ops is the number one best-selling title in dollars in aggregate across all platforms in the United States and Europe for the first three quarters of 2011. Of course, Modern Warfare 3, which came out this week, has a stronger-than-expected consumer response as does Spyro's Skylanders, uh, Spyro's Adventure Skylanders, which also has helped them make a ton of money, uh, raising their overall margins from $4.1 billion to $4.3 billion. That's how that's going to work. 
Microsoft will be doing some changes to the My Xbox section of Xbox.com very soon. There's actually gonna, they're going to be changing it, and it's not no longer going to be called My Xbox, but it's going to be called the Social section, and it's going to make use of that new Beacons feature, which is going to allow people to mark games that you're playing or want or you want to play, and it'll help friends set up times with you to play the games together on Xbox Live. You'll be able to set up three beacons at a time, as well as add additional information such as what time and what game you guys want to play. That update is going to be happening for the holidays, probably at some point this month. I know that some people that are beta testing it already have access to it. I personally haven't turned on my 360 today, so I don't know if I got the update. If I do, maybe I'll videotape it, hopefully I don't get in trouble, and I'll give you guys my thoughts on it. I've just been informed that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him on real quick. Slick, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? Drinking this Zoom well, caffeinated you know, water. I'm, I'm <laughs> a, a game that you mentioned. It kind of seems like one video game developer is getting greedier again. And two, they found a real genius way to do it. Right. Because that spiral game is like... It's sort of like Pokemon way because there's you know multiple characters and shit, but you gotta buy first. You gotta buy the game that comes with like this special add-on. So the game costs like seventy dollars, seventy or eighty dollars just to buy it. There's no choice on that. Then you gotta buy these little plastic action figures that you have to scan into the game to get extra characters. That's correct. I've seen I've seen the toys in stores. And a lot of people have been saying that it's actually very, it's a, it's a very cute game. People are enjoying it, and it's a novel concept. I think that if not abused and taken to to a level of absurdity like most other titles, I think that this is a, a, a series that has a lot of life to it. And honestly, I really would like to see them do more with other games regarding that. Imagine applying that same engine to a Pokemon game. You know, I think, I think especially for kids. For a year. Say what? I don't want to imagine that. Well, no, not not. Hold on, hold on. Good. No, what I was gonna say was that I feel that that would be applicable for 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 kids. If you want to get kids involved, not go crazy with doing individual toys, but just you know, like the core Pokemon, like you know, Pikachu, Charmander, those guys. You know, the core five Pokemon or six that you want to do something with. They should allow that type of a of a functionality to work with that series because it attracts kids. And that would really help a company like Nintendo that at this point, what the fuck else are they going to do? <laughs> I guess you, but the reason why I wouldn't want to see something like that applied to a game like Pokemon is because if you go to the, the um, Nintendo World Store, for example, they already make little plastic uh, toys of every single Pokemon. And they're about five to ten bucks a piece. Right. I can imagine if you're a parent and your kid has Pokemon and to make the characters appear in the game, you have to scan them in with a tiny little toy. And there's over 650 Pokemon now. No, I, I know what you're saying, and and when with regards to that, you do have a point. But what I what I would base it on would be the core, you know, the core five. I haven't played Pokemon in ages, but if I remember correctly, it used to be Pikachu, Charmander, Squirtle, uh, and Bulbasaur were like the four core ones that you kind of, and, and you know, Togepi, if you wanted to go that route. Those were the five that you'd see most often. Now, 
you take something like the Wii U, you know, you lay the screen flat, you put the toy on it, and you put it in the game, I think it gives something like the Wii U an incentive and another level of functionality that would be appealing to kids. Because Nintendo will always want to keep that that demographic happy. Because obviously if you control the kids, you control the parents' pockets. That's where I'd like to apply that. I'd only like to apply it with like the core five. I'm, I definitely don't want 660 fucking toys. That would be stupid. But I think using, you know, four or five of the core Pokemon would, would add a level of interaction, a level of interaction that kids would really welcome, especially because they're household names. Right, but see, this is you being practical and thinking about <laughs> talking. True. This is Kendall we're talking about, who, granted, does keep the family happy, but cares about their pockets. So if anything like that ever did happen, they'd want to do it with each and every fucking one. And that's why I, like, I think the idea of the style game is very, you know, it's not very new, but it is inventive and it is novel. But it's something that can very easily be achieved. Because if I, if I, I don't pay too much attention to that. Hold on, hold on, Slick. You're you're yeah. starting to you're starting to to become robot voice. Hold on, I'm gonna mute your mic and and bring you back in. All right, try it again. I'm switching up the. Um, I came off my headset. I think the battery might be low. Yeah, possibly. Um, you sound better now. Yeah, I'm on the phone now. I was saying that. Like, it's a novel idea, but it's something that can very easily be abused, because I've seen a commercial, and it's probably at least 20 or more of those characters already for that Spyro game. And it's not the only game like that out there, because I think this is another game which is a lot safer in that term. It's called Wappy Dog or something for the Nintendo DS. You actually have to buy, like, this robot dog. A real robot dog, and then the you're with the game. No, you're you're fucking mechanizing again. I don't know what the hell's going on. But, um, I'll wrap it up there. I think these games that have real-world components that are necessary to play them, if they don't abuse it, it'll be a great thing, but I've seen there it abuse real use. Now you're back to normal. Much better. I don't know what you did, but now you sound better. I stood up. I just see this getting abused real easily and really soon. Well, the problem is, and you bring up a good point on the Spyro front, it's not so much... With Spyro, they're really just trying to create a complete universe. So you know they're going to try and crank out as many toys as possible. And, and, you know, as uh, going back to the Pokemon thing, I, like I said, I would only do it with, like, the core four or five that you want to, you want kids to really interact with. With Spyro, though, they're getting stupid. I saw some real crazy shit. Oh, buy this knight, buy this dragon, buy this horse, buy this dog, buy this mule. I'm like, all right, all right. It's getting a little out of hand. There you go. Well, while I do have you on the line, I want to share this, this bit of news with you so you can help me close out the segment. And it's rumors of the next Xbox console. As of right now, they're looking at a possible release date of 2013 or early 2014. Thus far, according to an anonymous Microsoft source, the next Xbox is going to be codenamed The Loop, and it's going to be running a modified version of Windows 9 using ARM architecture. 
The custom design hardware will feature a main processor with multiple dedicated assistive cores for graphics, AI, physics, sound, networking, etc., etc. In addition, they're saying that it's going to be cheaper and far smaller than the Xbox 360. With their, you know, they're basing it that it will have Metro user interface, which you've seen on Windows 7, embedded Silverlight, and it's going to be integrated with the Windows Phone and Windows 8 as well. Now, with that said, do you think that that level of of synergy between your PC, your Windows mobile device, and your home console are going to be something that are going to be beneficial, or do you think it's just a ploy to get people to start embracing those other mediums? Think about it. You you know you have you use an Android device, but you know certain things are going to be available on the 360 only. If you have a Microsoft phone, do you think that'll be an incentive that'll get you to to check it out, or is or do you feel that it's just a ploy for them to try and get people to forcibly adapt? It's a ploy. They're trying to they're trying to go the Apple route, making you know everything with the little Windows flag on it instead of everything with the little Apple on it, and it's all stupid because I mean the biggest thing that that Xbox can say about their main competition right now is that they never got hacked. True. So it's a console that's based off of Windows, which gets hacked every day. <laughs> Good point. That's fucking stupid. That is true. I mean, I... Go ahead. In a perfect world, it's an intelligent move. In this real world, it's fucking stupid because you're going to be the next PSN. Well, you know what it is. You know, you got Steve Ogre Balmer running around. Oh, my God, we have to kill Apple. Oh, my God, make the phone. Turn on the 360. Turn on your PC, your microwave, your fucking car. Make it all work. Because, you know, he's a fucking imbecile and a lunatic. And he's probably running around telling them that the next Xbox needs to interact with the Windows phone. And honestly, I've, I've used Windows phone uh, handheld devices and I actually used to be a Windows phone uh, Windows mobile user and at the time Windows mobile was okay it wasn't complete dog shit but it definitely wasn't great and I will admit that they have stepped their game up but the problem is that you are coming into this race with Apple already leading the pack and Android you know pretty much securing second place easily you know it's really a race for third place against Blackberry and your windows like how the fuck does that happen i'll be 100% honest when i said when i tell you that it should be if apple is the number 1 uh handheld provider microsoft should be 2 and android should be 3 and blackberry shouldn't exist that's just a personal opinion only because much like apple windows has the structure where they can tie all those devices together in perfect unison and not make people cringe when you say hey this is powered by windows that's the big problem. Yeah, it is. The other big problem is, yeah, you do that to the console standpoint. Sony doesn't care what Microsoft does. The PlayStation 4 is not going to come out until at least 2016 because the PlayStation 3 came out in 2006. So, you're not 
bring a new console out, not one year this time, but two years early. They lost a phone hour with this last, last console, which that was seems in and of itself. Despite that, you still did it very well, but they're going to bring a console out next time again, which means that Sony will bring this out two years later, Instantly be technologically superior because, you know, it's Sony. And you'll be behind again. Yeah, well, I think I think in in Sony's case, and um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what the hell's going on on your phone, but you were clear, then you weren't clear, then you were clear again. I don't know how other people are hearing you, but that's besides the point. I think from Sony's end, what you were saying is is true because they're gonna go and they're gonna wait and see what Microsoft does, and they're gonna come out and blow our minds with hardware. But like I've always said, this isn't a race about hardware; it's a race about launch titles. That's the only way it's going to work, and, and, and that's the only way you're going to get a foothold in becoming the number one selling console instead of the number two. At the end of the day, when you look at it, they're still playing second banana to the Wii. Even though the Wii is weakening now, and Microsoft is gaining a lot of steam, Sony is catching up. The, the, the titles that are separating them are becoming smaller and smaller. That gap is shrinking quickly. The only thing that can make the 360... A viable competitor for whatever PlayStation 4 or whatever PlayStation next-gen console they release is them embracing Blu-ray because that'll allow a level playing field. I think that one of the big restrictions for them is the fact that you can't push the console on the same level that you can push the PS3 because you don't have the media, the, you know, the hard media to support it. Right, you're not gonna you can't see a game like Drake's Deception on a 360. Nope. And I if you did, you'd need two discs. And that's the other thing. And Square Enix is seeing. I think part of the whole reason why there's gonna be a Final Fantasy 13 too is because they see they fucked up by cutting the game short to make it fit on a 360. This is true. And this is the other reason why I think. You know, cutting out that issue for a second, but the other reason why I think Microsoft really needs to hold out for a little bit longer. See, Sony has this little thing that's going to bridge the gap between now and 2016 called the PlayStation Vita. True. It's a handheld. This shit looks fantastic, and it's meshing with the PS3 which means it's definitely going to mess with the next PlayStation. And there you go. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, if the Vita does well, that's going to give Sony that launch title support that they need when 2015 E3 rolls around and they need to announce the, the PlayStation 4. Well, we can only hope. We can only hope that Sony has learned from their mistakes and doesn't use the you know the next gen hardware to overcompensate. I mean, Blu-ray has really helped them. The fact that they integrated that media into their console has helped because it's given the console a fresh coat of paint. But when it comes to the online interface, Microsoft is still leading the pack and I can only hope that Sony takes the opportunity with whatever console they put out and really reinvents their online platform because it has potential but it's just stagnant at the moment 
Well, maybe with the PlayStation 4, we'll get an actual final version of Home instead of a beta. Well, supposedly they changed yeah, Home. It's still a beta. <laughs> it is still a beta? I thought it was. Maybe it came out. I don't know. I haven't used that shit in ages. Yeah, I haven't been on there in ages either. All right. Anything else you want to add, bro? No, I'm good for now. All right, brother. Thanks for the call. Later. Peace. All right. We are going to take our final commercial break of the evening, and when we come back, we are going to talk some movies right after this. Bornsliver.com Extremely short commercial. We now return to your regular scheduled program, My Take Radio. Rich, take it away. Alright, let's open up with some box office numbers. Seems that Pussy is still the powerful force in the box office this week as it beats Donkey. In other words, Puss in Boots was number one and Tower Heist was number two. Obviously, for those not aware of the reference, Donkey was in relation to Eddie Murphy, who played Donkey on Shrek. But nonetheless, Pussy was number one. $33 million, $75.5 million total. Tower Heist, $25.1 million. Harold and Kumar Christmas was number three. Paranormal Activity 3 was number four. In Time was five. Footloose was six. Real Steel was seven. Rum Diary was eight. The Ides of March was nine. And Moneyball was ten. I really am interested to see if the lead that Puss in Boots had will continue to take us into Thanksgiving weekend, especially with Immortals coming out this week. We shall see if it holds on. And if, you know, Pussy still owns the box office next week. In our first bit of What the Fuck movie news, MGM's Jonathan Glickman announced today, well, earlier this week, I should say, not today, that they will be doing a Where's Waldo film. Yes. Don't adjust your dial. Where's Waldo is coming to the big screen. The studio purchased the rights to the book, the game, and the TV cartoon character with the idea of turning it into a property with a live-action family adventure film. Glickman, of course, puts out the typical Hollywood shill speech as follows. We are thrilled to be bringing the search for Waldo to the big screen. Along with our partners at Classic Media, we look forward to making a worldwide adventure that will appeal to Where's Waldo fans of all ages. Really? Where's Waldo fans of all ages? Who the fuck looks for Waldo nowadays? Between Farmville, Angry Birds, who looks for Waldo? That's what I want to know. I want people to go and email me that they're looking for Waldo actively. I want to know, where the fuck is he? Because I sure as fuck ain't looking for Waldo. I don't think anybody in my house is looking for him either. I don't think that Slick is looking for Waldo, much less any of our other listeners. So, yeah, where's Waldo on the silver screen? How's that? In some other what-the-fuck movie news, Universal is still developing the proposed movie based on Asteroids. Even though Roland Emmerich decided that it was going to be a steaming pile of shit, they decided to continue to proceed with the concept. Uh, Evan Stilopoulos, who is working on Snow White and the Huntsman, and Winnie the Pooh's Heffalump movie will be penning a script for producers Lorenzo Di Bonaventura and David Foster. According to The Hollywood Reporter, 
The plot line for the film adaptation has evolved into a story of two estranged brothers that must team up to save Earth from an evil alien race. Sounds like a winner, folks. And, as surprising as it is, this is our final story for this week. Liam Hemsworth will be joining, who's already in the cast for The Expendables 2, is the frontrunner to play the son of Bruce Willis in A Good Day to Die Hard as John McClane's son. He is uh, competing against Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad and Ben Foster, who are up for the role as well. So, it's going to be a good day to die hard for John McClane, Liam Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, sorry, not Liam, Liam. Aaron Paul and Ben Foster, ben Foster are your contenders to play John McClane's son. I will take this opportunity to tell you guys that I've seen some set picks for The Expendables 2. Chuck Norris is on set. Van Damme is on set. Um, it, it's looking good, man. I guarantee you a lot of shit's going to get blown up. And the fact that Chuck Norris is involved means that we're going to get the return of Chuck Norris Facts. And I'm sure that all of you are super excited for the return of that because, you know, it wouldn't be a memmy without fucking Chuck Norris being involved. And that's going to wrap it up. I told you it was going to be a short show this week, guys. Um, before I wrap things up, I did want to let you guys know that I am looking into possibly uh, launching a voicemail line to go with the regular call-in number for people that don't want to do email. You guys will be able to uh, leave messages that we can play on air or um, it might be just an easier way to interact for those of you that don't want to type. So we plan on launching that maybe after Thanksgiving if all goes according to plan. I didn't get a chance to talk about that during the housekeeping segment at the opening of the show, but I figured I would share that with you guys. All right. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 115 for Thursday, November 10th, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR or have any questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow My Take Radio on Twitter, forward, twitter.com forward slash mytakeradio. You can follow my personal account, which is rich underscore mtr. Become a fan on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Also, look for us on Google+, mytakeradio on Google+. And if you got any questions about comics, movies, video games, or anything else about the show, you can also ask it on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. If you want to listen to MTR on the go, pick up the MyTakeRadio app for iOS and Android devices. For, I, for iOS devices, you can get it on iTunes. For Android devices, you can get it from the Amazon Marketplace, and you can also get it from the Android Market as well. If you don't want to carry any MP3s with you or deal with iTunes or any of their shit, you can also look for MTR on Stitcher. Stitcher.com forward slash MyTake. Enter the MyTake promo code and you will be entered to win a $100 gift card. You can also catch MyTake Radio on the Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry, and any of your other pod-catching feeds. Last but not least, make sure that if you are getting iTunes from uh, if you're getting my take radio from iTunes, wow, that was a fuck up and a half. Take us, take a second, rate us, share some commentary, help us move up the rankings. The higher we place, the better it is for you guys. That way, more people listen, more people become involved, and it leads to cooler shit. So, that's gonna wrap it up. Next week, we got two segments. We have on my take radio behind the mic with Wayne Shada from Team Takeover. 
We also have an interview with DVD Snapshot for My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. Be on the lookout for that between Monday and Tuesday. Latest will be Wednesday for that. A quick reminder, My Take Radio will be broadcasting Wednesday, the week of Thanksgiving, clearly because Thanksgiving is a Thursday. And that's actually going to be it. We got tons of content. Slick actually let me know that his review of Arkham City is complete. So if you want to hear Slick's take on Arkham City, be on the lookout for that on MyTakeRadio.com within the next hour, along with other content as well. And last but not least, thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you guys next week. And uh, let's see if we can uh, do this right with some uh, sound effects, because you know what? Every time I want to do it, it just never works according to plan. And sure as shit, it doesn't work because I don't have my Chappelle clip in the soundboard. Oh well, what can I do? Taking us out this week, Streets of Rage 2's Above Reason, available in ocremix.org. Peace. Oh,